0: You're listening to Plug Into Health with Pravea Health, exploring healthcare topics that matter to you. The latest developments in health and medicine and the inspiring stories that emerge from Pravea Health, our partners and the communities we serve. On this episode of Plug to Health, we welcome back the president and CEO of Pravea Health, Dr. Ashok Rai. Now, typically a chat with Dr. Rai on our podcast involves his medical expertise or insight on a timely health topic. But today he's here to share something a bit more personal. A recent health scare has motivated him to make some lifestyle changes. And it's what we're here to talk about today as part of Men's Health Awareness Month. Dr. Rai, thank you for being here today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Before we begin, Tell us a little bit about why you're so passionate about sharing the story that you're going to be sharing with us here.
1: You know, over the last couple months, months has really opened my eyes um, to my own health, um, to my blindness around my own health, and realizing that I've gone through a lot of things, been angry at the world, angry at myself, and what can I do with this story? You know, what can I do so... Maybe one person, maybe 10 people listening, maybe 100 people would make better decisions than I did and uh, maybe have a better outcome.
0: If you could now kind of give us a, paint the picture of a little bit about who you are, who is Ashok Rai, um, and what has your life been like the last couple of years before you, know, you found out about these recent health challenges?
1: Well, I turned 53 weeks ago, uh, so I hit a big number. Um, I am what you would consider average height, about 5'10". Um, a couple months ago, maybe a little heavier than I needed to be in that 195 to 200 range. Uh, but not, you know, if you looked at me, we consider somebody super overweight. I consider myself moderately active. You know, I used to be really active as a, as a road biker, uh, Peloton addict, like many people around the world. Uh, COVID hit, found a lot of excuses not to do a lot, um, and have a pretty busy lifestyle. You know, take I can't use the pandemic as an excuse. Um, you know, I'm a practicing physician who runs a health company who has a blended family of six kids. Um, so I wouldn't say that I relax a whole lot or take time for myself as much as maybe as I used to. Uh, but overall I'm no different than any other typical 40 something 50 something year old man that has a busy life
0: yeah and and I think you know that's the the great part of sharing your story is I, I think there's going to be a lot of things here that um, many men um, can relate to you know especially with the craziness of the last couple of years and maybe not necessarily putting ourselves first let's um let's start let's have you take us on your journey and start with when you first realized something wasn't right.
1: So I'd like to say that I felt awful, but I didn't, um, that I had a bunch of symptoms and that's why I went to the doctor, but that's not really it. Um, it started, you know, probably at my 40th birthday when I had a physical and found out, you know, I could lose a few extra pounds, uh, same dimensions, like I just said. And I did. Um, I had some lab work at that time. Uh, My blood sugar, my fasting blood sugar was a little over 100, which means I should have had follow-up. And let's fast forward to being 49 years old, and I still haven't seen a physician to follow up. That's on me. That's completely on me. I went into, I was having a I don't know the best way to describe it, a little bit of chest discomfort, but not your typical kind of chest pain, not the kind of uh, discomfort that I would be sending somebody to the emergency room right away. But I just wasn't feeling right, and I thought possibly it was the stress of COVID. It was November 2020. Uh, I was taking care of COVID-positive patients. I was trying to help my community the best I can, keep a healthcare organization running. Oh, by the way, I also had to recertify my boards, so I was studying and retaking my tests. So I had a lot going on, and I had some chest discomfort. Went and saw uh, one of my partners, uh, Dr. Todd Fergus, who's a cardiologist, and said, hey, can you just check me out quick? Didn't EKG, didn't look like there was anything going, what we call ischemic heart disease or anything from, a, say, a heart attack. But he put a stethoscope on my chest, and he goes, you got one heck of a loud murmur. And I said, you know, uh, 20-something years ago, after a car accident, one of my other fellow physicians put a stethoscope on my chest as part of a physical and said, you have a small heart murmur, let's follow that up. So discovered I had mitral valve prolapse, which is, which is a genetic condition, usually doesn't progress to be anything bad, does need follow-up. But once again, uh, I was in my 20s at that time and felt great and had a really active lifestyle, busy kids, busy job, and never had follow-up because I never got symptomatic. And at the time in November of 2020, when Dr. Fergus asked me if I was symptomatic, it was kind of a humorous question because he asked me if I was tired. And during (laughs) the pandemic and the hours I was putting in, Um, Of course I was tired. Um, So he did an echocardiogram, which is an ultrasound of my heart, and it showed that my mitral valve prolapse had definitely progressed to what's called mitral valve regurgitation. Moderate to severe at that time. I think Dr. Fergus was thinking, well, maybe you'll need surgery if this progresses in 5 to 10 years, but let's make sure we get another echo yearly just to make sure this doesn't get out of hand. So let's take November 2021, and uh, we're in the middle of another surge in COVID, uh, busy with work, busy with life, and I did not schedule my follow up echocardiogram. Now, I think everybody in healthcare just assumed that because we're in healthcare, we'll be really good and we don't need reminders. Well, it turns out, uh, once again, I probably need a lot more reminders than most because I was rationalizing things in my head. I don't feel worse. This can wait. My blood sugars were up a little bit in the past, but I lost a bunch of weight. I'm in better shape. I eat better. Uh, I'm, I'm fine. You know, I'll know when I'm sick, and I think that's probably the worst thing I could ever say to myself is, "I'll know when I'm sick," because theoretically, or not theoretically, but logically, I have that experience. You know, I should know when my patients are sick, but I didn't. And uh, Dr. Fergus reminded me and reminded me to get my echocardiogram. And I said, all right, you know, when, when this Omicron surges, you know, it gives me a little bit of breathing room, maybe February, I'll redo it. Had a repeat echocardiogram in February, and it showed that things had progressed pretty significantly. So I needed to have heart surgery sooner than later, not the next day, but sooner than later. So as part of that workup, they do a bunch of other tests, including CT scans and cardiac catheterizations and had all that done. And I felt like a typical patient going through a ton of testing and just really scared, to be honest with you. The The thought of somebody stopping my heart to fix it before I turned 50 wasn't a very comforting thought, uh, especially probably because I had a lot of knowledge of, of what they do to you. Um, as part of that preoperative workup, Um, I had my blood checked. There were a couple things that didn't look right, so they had to keep doing more blood tests. And it turns out um, I'm a diabetic on top of all of this. So not only did I have something that needed to be fixed surgically, but I now had a chronic disease. And, you know, I've diagnosed a lot of people with diabetes, uh, especially type 2, like I have. Um, I didn't feel like I met the picture of it. It wasn't that heavy, but I was heavy enough. And I was thinking, well, maybe my it, it'll just take a little bit of lifestyle modifications. And then labs came back and in full disclosure, my fasting blood sugar was over 300. And if you look up what a hemoglobin A1C is, mine was over 10. So it wasn't like I was a little diabetic, kind diabetic, moderate diabetic. I was a severe type two diabetic. All of this going into open heart surgery to fix my heart valve. So I had to do a lot of different things. Uh, I went from pretty much being on no medications for the last couple years. Now I have a pillbox, you know, the kind that's Monday, Mm -hmm. Tuesday, Wednesday, a.m. and Mm p.m. And every Sunday I've got to fill up my pillbox. So it's it's definitely been life-changing. Now I am uh, a couple months out of surgery, and I feel great uh, from that standpoint, but I made a lot of lifestyle changes. But now I'm learning to live with a chronic disease.
0: Let's go back to... You know, you're you're back in the exam room, um, and you find out you need this heart surgery earlier. Um, then, on top of that, you find out about you know being diabetic, et cetera. Um, are you scared?
1: You know, it, it's a kind of fear that's really hard to describe, and and I think as a practicing physician. You know I've delivered this kind of news to people I've delivered really bad news to people and we know when we talk there's a sense of fear in our patient but when I experienced it I just never realized just the degree of fear we instill in people when we when we give them news like this maybe I was more scared than most because I knew all the complications from the diabetes some of which I already started to experience Maybe I knew more than most, not knowing what it's like to go on a cardio, cardiac bypass machine and knowing that I'll be in the ICU and that I'll be on a ventilator. You know, those are things that I've to essentially, you know, the, the care of somebody in ICU or putting lines in their neck or lines in their wrist, that's what I've done to people. I really never thought that I would I'd move from the bedside to the bed.
0: You don't, if you're not comfortable answering this, it's okay. But I guess what is the source of that fear? why is it so scary? Where does that fear come from? What are you thinking about?
1: Well, you think about my practice. So most people don't know what I did for the majority of my career. Now I mainly take care of patients in a nursing home, but I still take care of patients in the hospital in the ICU, especially during COVID. But the majority of what I did, my full-time practice was you know, taking care of people when they got really sick in the hospital. So I've seen every single complication of what I was about to go through and I've dealt with it So every single one of those complications was me. Am I going to get a post-operative stroke? Am I going to go into atrial fibrillation, which I did, by the way? Uh, Am I going to have kidney disease? You know, cancer already took away one of my eyes. Am I going to lose my other eye? Every single bad thing rushed through me. And then I thought about, you know, what's the most important thing to me in the world, my family? You know, my children, uh, they range from 23 to 11. And... Not being there for my family, um, that you know created a level of anxiety and fear that I just couldn't imagine till I went through it.
0: And I think, you, know, is that something that, and you just said it, it's not something you're thinking about every day until you're in that moment and you're delivered that news. And, and that's the hope of, of what we want to work to try and avoid as much as we can being in that situation.
1: I would do anything to prevent somebody else from experiencing what I did. And if that means sharing my story and all my personal information and the massive amount of mistakes I made in my own personal healthcare and decisions over the last 10 years, most definitely, you know, the, it's just, it's, it's a shaking kind of fear. You you don't sleep, you don't eat, you don't, uh, you don't think right till you go through it. And even today, uh, despite, my heart feeling great. And, you know, my chest is pretty much, you know, healed. I played my first round of 18 holes this last Friday and I walked and it was awesome. Now in the back of my head, I am waiting for something bad to happen still. And that's hard. And then you layer on the diabetes, which is under much better control right now. You know, I check my blood sugar multiple times during the day. I'm on medications. Uh, My BMI is now normal for my height. I'm but it's almost this level of paranoia that's hard to describe. And I know over time that'll go away, but it's still very hard and I wouldn't wish it on anyone.
0: Is there anything that you could or should have done differently that perhaps would have lessened the severity of what you experienced?
1: The simplest thing that we recommend to every single patient I did not do because I was a doctor and I didn't think of myself as a human. And that's just to see my doctor once a year especially when you get to a certain age, you know, a physical once a year, having that conversation, having somebody put a stethoscope on your chest, uh, you know, contrary to popular belief, maybe we don't listen to ourselves. And literally we don't put a stethoscope and, you know, put it up against our chest. So to have another physician do that, uh, to have a conversation, to have lab work done. If I'd have done that at age 41, age 42, age 43, I missed 10 opportunities to do it. I would not have experienced what I just experienced, at least not to the severity I did. Mm
0: -hmm. You talked a lot about, you know, the fear and the paranoia of something else happening again. What are some of the other ripple effects, whether it be on work or home, um, etc., have you experienced with having these health challenges?
1: Well, I like to say I lead a more balanced lifestyle, but nobody's going to believe that. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but maybe a little bit less, uh, on the stress side, you know, really trying to do that, taking advantage of days that I normally would have not taken advantage of. And that's hard to describe except for the people closest to me know exactly what I'm talking about and where my normal inkling would have been leaned into work. And now it's just trying to be a little bit more neutral, you know, 12 hour days are okay. 16 hour days, maybe not, not that okay. Okay and trying to find a little bit more balance. And I know it's impossible, and I'm not perfect by any means. And even today, I wouldn't say I'm a picture of health or I'm making all the right decisions because I'm human, just like everybody else listening. But I'm trying to make better decisions. And if I have an opportunity to do something, to bring a smile to my face or my family's face, I'm I'm taking advantage of that right now.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, thinking about you know, when you go through these health challenges, certainly there's all the physical aspects to it, right? And you had mentioned the fear. But when when you get sick or when you have health challenges, what else in your life becomes affected?
1: Everything. I think the physical part was somewhat the easiest to deal with, to be honest with you. I mean, let me tell you, it hurts. Uh, I'm not going to recommend heart surgery to anyone uh, it, unless you need it, obviously. But it isn't. It isn't easy to get over it. And you know, they did a minimally invasive approach on me, which meant I got to heal faster, but it was more painful. So the level of pain was immense. Uh, and but it it pales in comparison to just the mental aspect of you know being a patient. Um, having to now focus on something other than what you normally would focus on. All of a sudden, I'm checking my blood sugars during the day. I'm wearing a watch to tell me if I go into atrial fibrillation again. Um, I have a medication reminder that goes off on my phone twice a day to take the nine or ten different medications I'm on. It, all of that, just it, it's just a whole different way of life.
0: And that concern also likely weighing on your family and your loved ones.
1: Yeah, you know, um, it's been interesting. You know, my uh, parents—they live in Florida most of the year, but they're in Green Bay for I'd say three to four months. My mom, begrudgingly, because of the she hates the cold weather, came back early because her son was sick. You know, I look at the stress on them. I look at the stress on my wife, uh, on my own kids, not knowing what was going on. I mean we showed them a video, but just really comprehending what's going on and all the lifestyle changes and, you know, and looking in their faces and seeing fear in everybody's face, uh, even around work. And it's interesting that the physicians that really I talked to that knew what was going on, you know, somebody said to me in a car ride uh, about two weeks before surgery, wow, you really got to be scared. I'm like, yeah, kind of am. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I, I guess what I'm hearing there is it's, it's not only critically important to take care of ourselves for ourselves, but for those around us who love us, um, who depend on us, um, it it's more than just ourselves.
1: Yeah, and and totally. I, I could have gone along with the normal, sometimes stereotypical male macho, probably not the smartest thinking that, hey, I can handle anything, I can handle the pain, I can handle the disease. But all of a sudden you realize that the rest of the world may not be able to handle you not being part of it, such as my wife, such as my parents, such as my kids, such as my company, that if you can blow off your own health or your own decisions because you think you can handle it, it's a whole different thought process when you realize everybody else handling life without you.
0: Is there anything I haven't asked you that you would like to talk about?
1: You know, I think the, the question I get the most is, you know, why why now? Why why do all of this? And I think I answered it in the beginning, but it really goes to make the point again that I, of all people in my life, should have known better. Um, people have trusted my advice, whether that's at the bedside or on television. I've dedicated my entire life to taking care of the community I live in. Good and the bad, and the criticism, and all of that. Yet I feel like I failed completely because I didn't take care of myself. Now I get a chance to make that better. And now I get a chance to really educate. Instead of pointing to X patient or a video of Y patient that's recovered from this, I get to point at myself and talk not only as a physician, but as a patient, as a dad, as a husband. And I'm really hoping. I'm really hoping that this makes a difference.
0: On that note, I'll end with this. People who are listening right now, there might be somebody who is in the same position you were, you know, a couple of years ago thinking, I'll know when I'm not feeling well, kind of putting things off. Um, Somebody might be listening who has a loved one who's experiencing that. What are your direct words to them? right now about taking care of themselves
1: make an appointment this isn't about i'll go on a diet this isn't about i look okay in the mirror i did all of that but the one simple thing i could have done was see a physician and if it's you that doesn't have one find me i'll find you one if you're a loved one that can't get your uh, loved one to see a doc call me i'll call them the simplest thing If you think about it, I'm surrounded by clinics and doctors and nurses throughout every day of the week for me, and I didn't take advantage of the thing that was right in front of me. Now, I know healthcare is not, and healthcare access is not in front of everybody that needs it, but we need to make sure it is, and we need to make sure people are using it. If you're getting health insurance through work and you don't use it all year, that's not an accomplishment. That's a problem.
0: Dr. I, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Um, I think it's going to help a lot of people, and we're so glad that you're well.
1: Thank you, and I hope it does.
0: And to our listeners, make sure to check out another more recent episode of Plug Into Health featuring Dr. Connor Roberts, a family medicine physician at Purveya. He offers some great insight that can help to make men feel more comfortable and willing to see their doctor on a regular basis. He also addresses what he calls the three silent killers that he looks for during every physical exam. That episode is called, Hey Man, Your Health Matters Too. Thank you for listening to Plug Into Health. You've been listening to Plug Into Health with Provea Health. To learn more and to submit ideas for future shows, please visit purveacom slash podcast. And please remember, the information provided in this podcast does not constitute medical advice. It is not intended to replace interactions with your healthcare professional. And if you are concerned about your health care, you should consult with your healthcare professional. You can learn more about Proveya Health at Proveya.com. Thank you for choosing to plug into health with Provea Health.